Okay. This is Big John with Big John's Dance Fitness, and you're listening to Brew Brew Beer with Jeff Smith. Now listen up. Well done, sir. Good job. It's like you're a pro. <laughs> All right, so I got to turn off the recorder, and then I'll be right back, okay? Okay, okay. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved-up, frenzied, and far-too-often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Kevin Donlin, thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Veer, and welcome to the show. How's it going? Terrific. Thanks for having me, Jeff. I'm excited to chat with you today. Yeah, we're both from Michigan, so that's kind of a fun coincidence. Yes. <laughs> now, here's the eternal question. We, we really don't. We're a weird bunch, right? We could be we Michiganders or Michiganians. I don't know any other state that has two that's ways true. to refer to themselves. So I, I'm a Michigander. I don't know what you are, but happy to chat with you. <laughs> I'm a youper, right? <laughs> yeah, you're a subset, yeah, from the UP, the Upper Peninsula. Yes, yes, yes strange, yes. rare breed, but happy to chat with you. You guys are hardy, har, har. You guys invented pasties and all kinds of cool yeah. stuff. Have you, have you ever visited the UP? Oh, yeah, at high speed. I've driven through it at yeah. Like 90. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> no offense, I was it's, just in a hurry it's to get the best, someplace. It's the best way to go through the UP. I don't know anybody there, yeah. yeah. I know you now, so I'll, I'll make another stop. Well, you know, people go there to hunt, you know, mm-hmm. during deer season, you know. Yeah. There's way more trees than people, so it's, <laughs> it's a nice place if you like to be outdoors. It is. It's beautiful. I mean, um, it's, it's, it should be another state. This is, we're veering. So right deer, away, right? We're, we're veering, right. Veering. Yeah, we're already veering. Michi- the UP should be another state. It's just I, different. There's a whole the, thing about, there's yeah. a bunch of people that every year they, they want that to happen. Yeah, I wouldn't begrudge them. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't know how it would work out. <laughs> yeah, it, you don't want to redo the flag and have 51 stars. That's just literally odd, right? So I'd rather I just join Wisconsin because we're close. <laughs> there you go. Well, nice and easy. For anyone who's not from Michigan, Wisconsin, we don't want them to switch off and get bored. <laughs> That's right. So we'll move on. Right. Ask so me an exciting question. We'll yeah, do. We'll do. Okay. So thanks for saving the show. Uh, yeah. You are Kevin Donlin, and your website is marketingmultipliers.com. So talk a little bit about what you've got going on that you're most excited about today in your business. So Marketing Multipliers, it's been around for about three years in one form or another. I just wrote a book by the same name. It's just gotcha. out a couple of weeks ago. Um, I actually have two businesses. One, uh, my, my original business, which I've had in one form or another since 1998, really, is called Client Cloning Systems. Oh, nice. And that is uh, my copywriting service. It's not cheap. It's, um, you know, my projects run from about three grand to $78,000. It's not wow. for everybody, but for the right business, it's a drop right. in the bucket because sure. I deliver huge revenue gains if you can afford me. And so that's typically for a business doing two to $20 million. Now I'm a big fan of solopreneurs and entrepreneurs because I am one. And so right. I started marketing multipliers as a way to, uh, turn my skills into a product for people who can't drop a check for 10 grand, you know, sure. uh, off the top of their They don't have a easily. business budget, so to speak. They're not there yet, right? right They're on right. their way. So if you're doing like uh, 200,000 to 2 million, if you've, if you've got a going concern, marketing multipliers is pretty cool. It's the world's, you know, first monthly subscription service of, I call it, of uh, marketing tools and surprises in a box. It's delivered every month in, in the continental U.S. I also throw in some surprises, typically food uh, gifts, but <laughs> nice. every month, yeah, I, I, I force myself to. So this is a physical to, box that you get in correct. the mail. It's a subscription service in the mail. That's correct. Wow. And so, Whoa. Um, way to go. A lot of way to go all not digital. Yeah, I love exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> there are tons of reasons for that, and we can delve into that. There's, it's very strategic why I put it in a box. I could deliver it online, but look, everyone and their dog has an online membership site, so I'm not right. that. So anyway, inside the box is typically a tool. It's something that uh, replaces a skill. So I've got simple tools that can turn an email into a direct mail piece, for example. I can increase your productivity. 
Um, I can save most people two hours a day by having them make a few changes to their daily routine. That was one of the tools. It's in, it's described in the book by the same name, Marketing Multipliers. But the, the website offers the monthly subscription service, and that gives folks a welcome box that they can get for a buck. And then after that, it's just uh, it's less than $30 a month and cancel any time. But I just wanted to give entrepreneurs something to look forward to in the mail every month. And who hates to get a box with their name on it? That would be nobody, <laughs> right? And it's like, you know, it's like we deserve, every month. I'm going to steal from McDonald's. We deserve a break today, damn it. And uh, people are working hard. And, yeah. you know, you can, I just don't want people to be staring at their screen any longer than they have to, whether it's a tablet, desktop. Mm. Uh, smartphone, whatever. So this is something my members say that they kind of rush and grab it. And it's just, it, I just like to bring out the kid in people. And I, oh, by the way, I hope to make you a bunch more money because it's all about marketing after all. So I'm pretty enthused about it, obviously. Right. And um, it's, it, it's just kind of the culmination of my, you know, I've been in marketing in one form, shape or form or another since 1994, really. And I'm a recovering high school teacher prior to that. So oh, wow. oh, that whenever like I learn something... Story. Yeah, that works for me or my clients. I like to teach it to other people. The best way to learn something is to teach it after all. So um, I'm, every month I teach people a new tool and I give it to them. It's tangible, physical. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, sounds interesting. And, you know, I, I like the, the the whole idea that it's a box. That's just that's mm-hmm. genius, especially nowadays. I, have you mm-hmm. noticed this? Um, you know, I, I read a lot of my digital books on my iPad, you know, mm-hmm. like through Kindle and stuff. Right. But I've also noticed, like, it's it works great for just, like, fluff, like, fun reading, like, fiction stuff. But if mm-hmm. I want to get, like, a book that I want to kind of, like, learn something from, right. I've got this new rule that I'm going to buy the book book. <laughs> book book, yeah. There's actually, if people yeah. Google, go to YouTube and, and search for Ikea book book, you hit on something really cool. Ikea made this promo video a couple years ago where they touted this new analog version of their catalog of their of their store it's just a catalog right but it's the funniest <laughs> yeah. thing you've ever seen it was like all the features are like password protected it means and it shows this guy going that's my copy hands off and it's like you know you can save your spot you know and it shows the guy folding the corner down. so it's book like the book new technology actually, of yeah book yeah, book. yeah. <laughs> and, and this millennial is like flummoxed by it all he's wow like blown what's away. that yeah. no offense millennials you, you know but yeah so by the way, if you go to Amazon, you'll see that you cannot buy a Kindle version of my new book. It's not available. I don't sell it. I don't want you to look at the thing on your on your screen, any screen. Right. I believe – by the way, it's interesting. If you do a little research, if you scratch just a bit, you'll find that uh, some of the most expensive private schools in Silicon Valley ban smartphones. They ban computers in the classroom. Wow. They are actually teaching the children of billionaires using uh, chalkboards. And uh, this is because – there's there's a growing, I wouldn't call it um, a revolution or a revolt, but there's a, there's a growing sense that, hey, you know what? Maybe we threw out the baby with the bathwater in this rush it. to go digital with everything. The whole world right, of right. tangible, analog, meat space, whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> meat people, space. I like that. Meat space. That's an old word from the 90s. Yeah. I'm dating myself. But look, I, again, I'm a former teacher. Um People have different learning styles. There are visual, auditory, kinesthetic. The latter, kinesthetic, just means that you learn like by move. doing physically. Right, right. right, exactly. So if you can combine them, you'll get through to your students one way or the other. So that's why I like to give people written, tangible stuff in the box because it engages your kinesthetic um, learning style. Yeah. And if you're reading it because it's visual there. You're not going to hear it, but um, people can call me and they get a monthly critique certificate. It's typically they're going to send me their stuff by email. But I try to engage people every which way uh, possible. And that's just a little thing that people may want to consider. If you want to yeah. – if, if you've got a website and your service or product is digitally delivered, the sooner you can get tangible with your prospects or clients – the sooner you can uh, outflank your competition because everyone is doing, God, you know, email, texts. They got these bots now on Facebook Messenger that'll imitate a human. Well, you know, (laughs) the more you remove the human element from your marketing, the farther you're really getting from the person's wallet because the wallet is sitting there in their back pocket on their body. So you need to physically engage people as soon as you can. If you can't, you're at a disadvantage. I'm sure there's uh, like a laundry list, right, of, of reasons why 
you know, about the the only advantage an ebook has is it's really easy to carry a whole bunch of them all at once. Sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. But like and so, you know, it does have its place. It's cool. It's fine. You know, especially for, you know, like if you're on the road or something and you want to like read a book, that's mm-hmm. it's way easier to have the iPad than. Yeah, there. Granted, yeah. it's, it's yeah. if you have a, if you want to carry your library of for me, I've got uh, public domain stuff or oh, right. yeah. fiction and yeah, stuff. Yeah, right. You can get a lot of free stuff. Right. <sighs> yeah. But really, if it matters to me, I buy the book and I read it. No, I speed right. read it a couple of times, mark it up. Right. Uh, but I think it's I think, just, yeah, just the number one thing for me is like if I if I have the physical book, mm-hmm. um, I'll remember to read it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> just that's it's just that simple. But if it's in the iPod, I have to remember that it's there. Yeah, and look, nothing to see. Yeah, no matter how valuable it is, I've paid upwards of a couple hundred dollars for certain PDF files over the years. Holy cow! They're they're sitting on my hard drive with stuff that I got for free. It's all lumped together in bits and bytes. It's the same thing that you forget about because you don't. Yeah, you devalue stuff if it's out of sight on your hard drive. It's really out of mind. And uh, again, there's a place for PDFs and and eBooks, of course. Yeah, but uh, in my book pardon the pun, in my world, <laughs> you really want to get physical and tangible. There's a really fascinating study that was done by the, uh, the uh, British Postal Service and I believe the University of Leeds in, in England. It's called the Millward-Brown Study, M-I-L-W-A-R-D, Millward-Brown. You can Google it. They found that um, the same message, if it's sent by email, it gets X, and if it's printed and sent uh, on paper – it gets like X plus 25, 50%. It was a significant increase. And, and the root cause they found was that, look, when you're holding on to the message, you're physically engaging with it. It's lighting up completely different areas of your brain right. when you're touching the message. And it's um, leaving you know, little neural footprints in your head that you just you can't compete online. If right. someone's right, right. touching the prospect in person at a store or uh, at the very least on the phone, that's better than nothing. But mm. just don't depend on your emails and your texts and your other clever social media stuff to do all of the lifting for you. You really, right. if you have a serious business, you need to get offline in some fashion as soon as possible. Wow. Look at you. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I'm a, obviously quite an evangelist. And then, so here's the thing. But, you know, when everyone calls me a Luddite or whatever, I was webmaster for FedEx.com from so, yeah, 1985, 1995 yeah. to 1998. Wow. So I was around. A, I've been in, around. I'm kind of, I've been called the Forrest Gump of online marketing. I just kind of bumble <laughs> into these situations. So, I mean, look, FedEx.com in 1995, they were the darlings of online commerce. We called it electronic commerce marketing. It was just a long mouthful back then. We were on the cover of every magazine that mattered in stories about, um, you know, my bosses. I didn't invent the site, obviously. That was done by people at FedEx. But I was in charge of answering every single email that came into the company for about two years. It went from six emails a day to about 600 and then – we kind wow. of just broke the meter. We stopped counting after. <laughs> but I mean, the website yeah. had about a uh, half dozen pages when I started, and it went to dozens and hundreds later. And so I've got, I was, uh, I was president at, at the birth of, of online marketing. I sold an ebook in 1995 on Usenet. There was no World Wide Web. Usenet. I was selling the thing yeah. by email. Yeah, Usenet. Wow. Google I remember it. Usenet. Okay. Yeah. If you're <laughs> under 40, Google it. Um, so I've started in online marketing, and I became a, you know, I never, um, I've never given up on online marketing. It's important, mm. but it's not the be all and end all. Right. You, you right. just can't no, depend yeah. on it for everything. No, I get it. And yeah. And, and that, that other, that prior discussion that you talked about with like the, the smartphones being banned in schools. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. that makes sense because mm-hmm. for all the good that they do, they're also, there's probably a laundry list of things. We're basically delegating memory and brain function. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> to these toys. <laughs> mm-hmm. It can't be good for the long-term health of our, you know, cognitive function. Yeah, there's there are <laughs> emerging body of research that shows, you know, people are starting to hardwire their brains in, in ways that they're probably not happy with. Like your attention span is, is dropping. Right, right, right. right. As you said, memory. And, and so here's the thing. I think it was Plato 
might have been Socrates who was bitching about you know writing on scrolls back at 300 BC, saying it was you know trashing the memory. Kids, kids today in 300 BC couldn't remember anything because now they're writing it down. Damn it! And you know we have to memorize two-hour speeches. In my day, we had to memorize everything. So there's always going to be a reaction against technology. I sure. get that. Yeah. But when you're seeing this, you know, the brain scans and uh, and just talk to a kid under 30, a lot mm. of them. Can't, I was just talking to a, an otherwise really intelligent, and he is. He's, he, I, I won't qualify. He is intelligent, period. But he right. told me himself that a lot of times he's reading a book and he goes like a half a page and looks at his phone and another half a page and he gets distracted. Right. And, and, right, and right. people are growing up with fragmented attention spans. My yeah. daughter, I'm watching her do her homework. You know, she's got her headphones on and she's got her smartphone next to her laptop. Mm. And oh, that's, you know, music. And then someone on Snapchat wants Snapchat wants your attention. You yeah. got all these competing things in your head for attention. That can't be good long term. And I, no. you know, I jump all over her and grab the stuff and <laughs> say, no, off. no, no. Yeah. <laughs> or you can pay for college, you know. And, wow. and it's just uh, it's worrisome, frankly. I know every generation bitches about you know to the younger generation that uh you're screwing yourself up but i really am kind of worried about attention spans and uh critical thinking you know so it's another reason here's the other reason you want to get offline with your prospects if you send them a letter or a postcard and it's intriguing and interesting and they're reading the thing there's nothing else to click on you know there's no website (laughs) espn is not in an open tab next to your sales letter right no one's gonna go check the score yeah so the more you can get someone's attention undivided, the better your chances are of selling your product or service. And so it's called a competitive vacuum. That's a, a term from Dan Kennedy. And if you've got their attention offline, you know, it can be in a hotel room, at a seminar room, uh, on a bus to, you know, to look at a property. If you can get them offline. They don't need Wi-Fi the, or right. LTE or 4G. Right. You want the undivided <laughs> attention of your prospect. And one of the best ways to do that is, you know, direct mail. There are other ways, but it's not online. It's not the, you know, a lot of people you watch guys in the lavatory, you've seen them. They're taking a leak and reading their cell phone. Well, how how much attention are they giving your precious crafted email message if, you know, <laughs> they're, they're standing at the urinal reading your message. Are they going to click the buy button? Their hands are full, I right? Doubt it's it. impossible. So That's pardon true. my anatomical exactitude. But I mean, yeah, it's just, you know, think it through. Think right. it through. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, well, this is Vroom Vroom Veer. So that means we have to go back in time and get some life lessons. Sure. As, as scary as that sounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So what was high school like for you? Where did you grow up? Did you grow up in Minnesota or Michigan? No, that's good. Uh, high school. I've never been asked this on a right. podcast. I, I was, there you go. It's very, 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 it's weird. I actually liked high school. I was, I hated junior high. High school was kind of fun. I grew up in Royal Oak, Michigan, suburb of Detroit. Okay. And, um, I was an athlete. And so teachers, a lot of my teachers were also my coaches. So I got away with some stuff. Oh, um, but, gotcha. Yeah. You got to get away with stuff. Yeah, the varsity jacket was kind of a free pass back in the 80s. Uh, it didn't, you know, rob banks or anything, but although we did have a kid at our school rob a bank, I'm probably not going to tell you the name of my high school. No, now, don't 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 tell. Uh, trust me, there was a wide mix of characters in my high a, school. A kid Boy, in Lord. your in your class. Yeah, Rob's two years tried, older than me. He tried He's, did he uh, get away with robbing a bank or he got caught well, robbing a bank? Well, no, he crashed his getaway car and uh Oops. Yeah, he, I won't give away too many details because you can Google and find out who this was. It's back in the 80s. He, yeah, I think he ended up suing the cops for chasing him and making him paralyzed. It's a true story. It's bizarre. So I went to a wow. pretty bizarre high school. And, yes, you uh, did. A lot of fun, though. A lot of fun. So I actually enjoyed high school and um, had some really good teachers and some really awful ones. And, and uh, I had a. I think that one of the things that helped me more than anything uh, from a business standpoint was having a paper route. It was the Detroit Free Press. I had to get up at 5.30 every morning. And I carried the Free Press from 7th grade until 10th grade, I believe it was. It was at least three years. And so now I always get up at 5.30. There's so much training, so many great lessons that you get from carrying a morning newspaper. And sadly, you know, that's pretty much unavailable anymore. Right. But I had to go out. I had to go knock on doors to sell subscriptions. I was terrible, by the way. I hated it. I had to go <laughs> every freaking week and collect the money. Some people were, I could get them to prepay a month, but a lot of times. They wanted I to go week to, to week? 
Oh, yeah, every wow. weekend. Saturdays I would go collect. And uh, I had a little punch card to, mm. to mark off after they gave me money. One jackass would pay me in Canadian coins. You'll never forget that guy. That's what happens when you grow up near Canada. I mean, I came home and my dad goes, look at that. Where did you, you know, and I was like, oh, God, it's the same idiot. So he goes, you go back there. So I went well, back and said, you know, U.S. currency, please. In you Detroit, know. you're pretty damn close to Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was. You just drive over the bridge, right? Correct. And which we did. Um, it's very, uh, it's a little known fact, anyone outside of Michigan, but the, I'll just tell you that the drinking age in Canada was 19 and the drinking uh, age in 21. Um, Michigan was 21. So right. there's. That's called a, a market inefficiency from an economic standpoint. And, uh, <laughs> for two years, they had all of our business, and we would go to Canada. So yeah, uh, yeah. so I got on. <laughs> in, yeah, uh, but we'll we'll leave that alone as well. But yeah, so that was my uh, that was my high school years. I like it. I like it. So mostly a jock, I guess. If we're going to stereotype it, I would say yeah. I was. Uh, um, I think I got three letters in track and two letters in cross country. Um, so wow. that was fun. And running is, you know, great for discipline and, um, um, team sports, you know, being on a team, I played baseball in the summer. didn't play for the high school team, but team sports, all these things, I guess, coalesce and make you what you are. So right. team sports are just terrific. You know, I love them. I, I played baseball up until about four years ago. There's a senior men's league here in Minnesota. So you got guys out there. Um, up in their 40s and 50s and 60s. So it's uh, you can still play. Don't give it up. Yeah. As long and, as you uh, don't throw it a knee or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I missed all the injuries, thank God. Some of was watching guys blow out their hamstrings and yeah. explode their calves. I mean, geez, just being carried off. My dad so, ruined his knee in his 20s playing softball, I think, in one of those rec leagues mm, for work. Yeah. And he didn't have it fixed until he was over 70. Yeah. <laughs> And then, and, and, then, and then he was like, it was the best thing I ever did. <laughs> I know, I'm just so thankful I never messed up my knees or my back. Those are hard to recover yeah, from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, okay, t talk a little bit about uh, your college days. What did you do? Where did you go? So I went to Michigan State University. Okay, Michigan um, State is... Yeah, not the other East one. East Lansing. Right? Correct. Yes. Bing, 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 you are correct, sir. I had a buddy so. that went to Michigan State, so... It was fun. It's yeah. the best four Party and a half school. years of my life. Yeah. We, um, so here's what kind of a schizophrenic student I was. I'll, I'll level with you. I was a National Merit Scholar, which was pretty hard to do. And so wow. I got this check every quarter. So that was from high school, right? Yeah. I aced the PSAT. I had the highest uh, score in the city. Holy and uh, I have no idea how I did it. Still to this day, it's just an aberration. <laughs> but I... <laughs> The counselor said, you should not take any more tests. Just quit while you have the highest score in the city. You know, just wow. don't do any more. You're yeah. in. You know, yeah, you can yeah. go a lot of places. You get so the right your own ticket. You've got the magic. Freakish. Yeah, gold, yeah. Golden ticket. And um, so I got this uh, check every quarter, uh, 250 bucks. Well, wow. that's dumb given a, you know, a, a college student free money. Yes, exactly. So I had a very well-furnished uh, bar. Uh, every quarter for about two weeks. That's how long 250 bucks would last. Last in beer, right? And I was just not a good student. I was a party guy. My daughter, uh, God bless her, she's a 4.0 student right now. She's completely different from her dad. And oh, I, good. yeah, I just did really the minimum, frankly. I, I the, It's not the fault of my teachers or anything. I just wasn't interested. I was having fun um, with with my friends and the most important thing I learned at school, well, a couple of them. One was how to get along with other people. So there's a certain amount of emotional intelligence that comes with completing a college degree if you don't right. get expelled um, or you have no friends. You know, I'm sorry if you if that's your 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 reality, but if you can get along with other people, learn to you know live in close proximity with people from other cultures, other countries, um, other everything. It was just a hugely, you know, it was a huge eye opener for me to, to meet all these people. 40,000 students at Michigan State, right? So, I mean, it's right. a small city. Yeah, it's a yeah. mid-sized city. Huge school. So, uh, getting along with others was a big deal. And so was just learning how to learn. That's the one skill I took away because my major was international relations and I graduated in 1988. I spent four years studying the Cold War, right? So, what happened in 1989? The freaking <laughs> Berlin Wall comes down. Cold War is over. So four years of study Damn in the toilet. It. 
Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> now what do so I, I do? I had to take stock of myself and go, oh, thank God, at least I learned how to learn. So that was the most valuable skill I got out of college. Uh, and I uh, minored in German. So I learned how to learn other languages. That was cool. But uh, yeah, it was just learning how to learn and getting along with others. Those are the two biggies. That's probably one of my favorite compliments that I ever got when I was in the Air Force. My, my mm-hmm. boss came over to me and said, you know, I've asked a lot of people to help me figure shit out. And you're mm-hmm. the fastest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a skill. It is. It's a meta skill. It'll improve everything else. That's right. That's right. So he 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 named it FSO. Figure shit out. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> FSO. Anyway, FSO. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. So what did you do immediately after college? Did you go go get a job, or were you a bum, or? Well, close. I was um, I was managing a record store for about a year. In, so that's um, close to being a bum. Okay. Yeah, that was okay. so. That if you've ever seen the movie High Fidelity, that was actually my life. Um, um, John Cusack. Yeah, John Cusack, Cusack. and Jack Black. Uh, yeah. And we had a guy in our store just like Jack Black. His name was Tom Lynch, psycho, great guy, <laughs> love him, psycho. And I was John Cusack, and um, so, I didn't own the store, but geez, that was my life. So I mean. I didn't make a lot of money, but I had a lot of fun. I was playing in a band at the time. I was I played uh, bass with one band, and then um, a couple years later, I played guitar in another. Detroit's a great, great, great musical city. Sure, and, Motown. Uh, had a lot of fun, exactly. So, luckily, I got out of music, or I'd be, you know, cross addicted to nine different drugs and living <laughs> under a bridge because it was a real crazy lifestyle. But I did the music store for a year, year and a half, then I. Um, saw an ad in the paper to teach English in Japan Ooh, and I'd yeah. always yeah and I applied and they interviewed like a hundred of us and took three maybe four it was just cool to get through and mm. they flew was it to, one of those uh, government programs it was a private school it's called oh. Eon oh yeah A-E-O-N. yeah I had yeah, a buddy sim- from the Air Force that did that really but yeah. yeah so there were a lot of military guys believe right. it or not yeah and um it's similar to Berlitz, which is another big uh, com- right. company. But I did two stints there. I went there for a year and came back and got my teaching certificate. And then um, before I wanted to teach again, I really missed Japan, actually. So I went back for another year and a half. And that's when I was actually writing textbooks, training other teachers. Tons of fun. Mm. Traveled around. Um, and Japan is just a fantastic uh, Japan's country. Japan's awesome. I've been yeah. to Japan a gajillion times because I married a Japanese woman. Oh, so did I. <laughs> Funny you should mention that. Yeah. So I met, that's another podcast. But That's a whole um, other story, right? But Japan is, you know, Tokyo is my favorite city on earth. I've been in a bunch of them. Uh, mm. I, I, I could live there. And so I may someday go back. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, so the Japanese have a, uh, a they, their work ethic gets a lot of press, but a lot of the time we were working and just doing busy work just because right. you can't leave the office till the boss leaves. That's a big Asian thing, not just Japan. Und- Japan, right, I yeah. think it like nails it more than all the other ones, I but can't, it, it yeah. is generically Asian too. I just yeah, did a stint with a, a, a bank from Singapore and they really? have that too. Yeah. Where you can't leave until the boss leaves and you always yeah. have to look busy kind of rule. Exactly. Right. So, <laughs> and our work day went from like, uh, I think it was 10 o'clock just cause some people would take two hours to get in on the trains Yeah, and we would quit about eight. Right. But if the boss is there, you're there till nine, you're there right. till 10. Whatever. Right, right. And, and then you, you have to go and drink beer. Got to go drink beer, sing karaoke. Sing karaoke. Yeah. Karaoke right. in Japanese, That's but correct. karaoke is what Karaoke you say. here, right. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> so that was uh, a six-day work week, too. You'd work a half day on Saturdays, and that's wow. just de rigueur. You yeah, just do it. Is. Right. But that's a lot brutal. of fun, and um, um, it shaped who I am. And so I came back, moved to Minneapolis, 1994, got a job uh, by hook or by crook, finally, with a custom publishing company. I was an associate editor slash copywriter slash um, just writer of stories. And that's where I fell into the uh, FedEx.com project, mm, where okay. I got hired largely because my resume had an email address on it. This is the funniest <laughs> thing. They were like, email. There was hardly an internet in 1994. No. There was – it was – it was weird. They saw my no. resume, yeah, in December of 94. might have been January of 95. He's got one of those wonky things with an at symbol in it. Right. He must know and what he's so, talking about. <laughs> this guy's some, I don't know, he's got this email address. And so they interviewed me, and 
I got the job. And then the guy who's going to take over this crazy FedEx project working with our client in Memphis. Well, Kevin had the email address on he his resume. What he's talking so about. Let's get Kevin. So I, the, <laughs> so here's a life lesson I learned is just to, uh, say yes to everything pretty much, you know, make your boss look good. I don't have a boss. I haven't had one since 98 when I quit, but mm. say yes to pretty much everything. Um, make your, you can make yourself fireproof doing that, but uh, try to, uh, create your own job. If you're working for other people, that's what I did in Japan. I wanted to be a textbook writer, even though my business card said teacher. So on Saturdays I went in and hung around with the textbook writers in the, in the headquarters. And I asked, how can I help you guys? So I made friends with all them. They all remembered me, liked me. And then lo and behold, a few months later, a position opened up for another writer and any most companies will always try to hire internally first then they advertise outside so guess who got called for the uh, and i was the only one interviewed they said uh, we'd like to give you the job as a writer slash teacher trainer i said yes so i created that job mm. and then when i was at the custom publishing company they're now called hanley wood integrated marketing i knew i wanted to do something with the internet and marketing and you know i just kept saying yes to stuff and lo and behold, here comes the FedEx project, which was electronic commerce marketing, as they call it. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I'll do that. Because no one wanted it. It was just a, it was boring in the early days. But I made friends with everybody down in Memphis, went down there uh, to meet and present some ideas. And um, they loved me because I just went above and beyond. Uh, mm. One of the funniest things I ever did, if you remember the movie Miracle on what street? 42nd Street? 34th Street? I don't know. Some uh, street. Was is that this Christmas? The, the one with the Christmas one? Yeah. Wasn't it 34th Street? Or, no, 32nd Street. I think street. so. 32nd Street. Yeah. I don't know. And <laughs> I never got I'm gonna into screw that. Up this, I'm going to screw up the summary, but That's it cool. happens that like the shoppers are in Macy's and they can't find it. And they say, go across the street, you'll find it at Gimbel's. They, I know they have it. And people are like blown away by the one store sending their customers to the other. And the guys at the other store are going, you know, what's going on? They're trying to, this is some trick. Right. And they were just being friendly. So occasionally we would get people would say, I can't track my pack. So we got a lot of emails every day. Where's my package? Where's my package? Or I was in the shower, he knocked and left, and where can I get it? All these, you know, crises. But occasionally (laughs) someone would send what we instantly recognized as a UPS tracking number. Mm. And they sent it to FedEx because we were the top dog. When you thought online, track a package online, everyone thought FedEx. And so right. even the UPS customers were sending their tracking air bill numbers to us. <laughs> so what I would do, I would go to the UPS website, track their package, and send them an email saying, you know, it's in St. Louis. You should have it this afternoon. By the way, I'm webmaster for FedEx.com. We're happy to help. And when you want your package to arrive on time, guaranteed <laughs> delivery, go to www.fedex.com. Well, we got a couple of really That's great. cool replies to that, which I forwarded to my boss. I CC'd everybody who mattered. Yeah. You know, I was yeah. obviously I, I was trying awesome. to That's the best. feather my nest. And my boss of said, course. we love you, Kevin. Yeah, more than once. You know, <laughs> We love you. The other time. Now I'm just remembering all the stuff I did, geez, in, in the last millennium. We had a guy from Germany send in a, 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 a thing in German, and it went to someone in Memphis, and they said, didn't Kevin minor in German or something? So there was no cheating, right? I, there was no online inter- there was no you know, instant Google translation. No, no, no. Translate, right. So they sent this thing to me, and I puzzled out what he wanted, and I, I'm pretty sure I – did it correctly because he he sent he he wrote back thank you thank you thank you you know sehr dank vielen dank and uh, you can screw German up just like you can screw up any language so I was I gave him the bare minimum of you know with with the niceties that I can remember so my boss loved that too so it's just an example you know just if you can go above and beyond and whether you own your business or you work for somebody else just that cost me an extra five minutes you know it's just a little bit of thinking you know cost me zero dollars but that's the stuff that people remember no one remembers really if you're doing your job perfectly sadly it's not fair but i mean you're a lot of us are like baseball umpires you know if they do their job right no one notices them it's only the screw-ups that's true those guys have a terrible job really big in it jobs Exactly. No one appreciates you. And that's sad. So what you have to do is just throw in some stuff that has nothing to do with your job, whether it's a thank you (laughs) note in the mail or chocolate to my clients. I send, you know, chocolate covered fruit to clients. That has nothing to do with the copywriting that they're paying me 20 grand for, but they get a box of chocolate covered Mm. fruit. It's different. Yeah, yeah. They like that. So 
always, you know, be looking for something that you can do to pleasantly surprise uh, your clients and your bosses. And it's, it's just a fun way to work. Yeah. My wife does that. She's like, uh, I have to figure out a way for my wife to come up with some sort of interesting retail situation <laughs> mm-hmm. or, you know, selling uh, physical stuff online. She already does it just because she thinks it's fun, which, mm-hmm. you know, makes my head explode, but she mm-hmm. thinks it's fun. And mm-hmm. whenever she does it, right. She always likes adding, like she sells a lot of these like uh, Japanese stationaries, mm-hmm. you know, cause she digs those too. Sure. And then when, yeah, and then when she has extras that she doesn't like anymore or she wants to trade or sell, she just starts selling them on eBay or the Japanese version of eBay. And she'll always, if it's a good customer, she'll like throw in a little like extra something, something in there, mm-hmm. you know, and then, and then say, thank you for being a great customer. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> People remember that. They won't. They they'll totally forget. They totally remember that. Yeah. It's like the kids who get the cool toy for Christmas and they forget the toy and turn the box into a fort, you know, in the right. backyard. And we actually did that crap. <laughs> yeah, I did. And I, did. I mean, it's the stuff you don't pay for that you don't plan on getting. Right. That's oftentimes right. the most memorable and remarkable uh, stuff. Yeah. The, uh, the other thing I thought of when you told the story about helping out the UPS people mm-hmm. was people will be confused, but this was 1994, 95, right? Yeah, 95, 96. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So most people didn't have internet at home. No, they were typically emailing from work. That's a good right. point. There's no right. such thing as a smartphone, of course. There was no – and well, most people weren't paying for internet service yet at mm-hmm. that point. They mm-hmm. might have had AOL. And yeah, AOL was sort of like – Right. AOL eventually became you know, connected just Irrelevant. to the internet. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> It was a very was, expensive way to get on the internet and keep your AOL old was kind of the Facebook of the '90s. It was right. your yes. little gated community that you could uh, right. stick around in. It really wasn't the internet, but no. people got there. Yeah. You had your web browser through AOL once they invented web browsers in 1996, I believe it was. Right? Uh, no, 1995. Um, yeah, so it was fun. It was fun. Every day was something different. It was you know in, insanely. Uh, rapid pace of innovation and new ideas being thrown at you. Yeah. So, okay. So when do you start? Wait a minute. You said you were also a teacher. Were you a school teacher or was that the, the when you were teaching English in Japan? That was the Japan part. Oh, and then gotcha. I was, I was, uh, licensed to study, to teach high school. So I did that from, oh, uh, you were was, a high school teacher. I did that as a substitute teacher. And then I realized, no, I'm not going to do this. No way. But I did that. Ah, 1990, from 1990 to 1992, I believe I was uh, a teacher. Okay. Yeah. Sub and I was studying. I got my master of arts in teaching and uh, came here to Minnesota originally to look for a teaching job, but quickly realized since I was a uh, social studies slash geography slash German history teacher, there are a million of those. And the way you get that was by subbing for a year or two. Right. I said, no, 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 no. No. So I'm going to write. So I got that job writing. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So when did you start your own business? So I left uh, my full-time gig. I really was – I stopped working in the office in 97, I believe, and I telecommuted, which was another – Oh, wow. Look at you. Pioneering thing. Yeah. That was an ordeal. So from 97 to 98, I telecommuted, which was interesting because I quit. And I, because I had made myself uh, kind of irreplaceable, no one knew what the hell I was doing. They gave me the same salary on like half the time. So I was, you know, living, nice. sitting pretty, telecommuting yes. from home. On your 56K bod modem. Yeah, living <laughs> the dream. Yeah, with the modem. God. They had to send a guy from the computer guy. I mean, our tech support guy had to come out. It was like wiring a rocket for NASA. It was like fixing the space shuttle. These guys come out and they're just installing the modem and all this stuff. And this is 1997, people, you know. So, yeah. but uh, I left them full time in 98. I originally started doing uh, resume writing from 98 until. Oh, the early 2000s. Um, and that was a lot of fun. And I um, just transitioned completely over to corporate copywriting about, uh, oh, eight, nine years ago. So were you just like writing letters and selling them? I was writing resumes for people that were very good because they were based on direct marketing principles oh, gotcha. instead of resumes. Okay. So they were 
they stuck out like sore thumbs. My clients got hired really fast. And I, the, the reason I got out of that is that a lot of, strangely enough, people who are looking for a job don't have a lot of disposable income. So there's a lot of wailing and gnashing of teeth about prices. And <laughs> everyone wants to negotiate. And Nobody wants like to pay, to, right? Right. Yeah. It's like, you know, if you do your job right, you're never going to hear from them again for about two or three years. You'll get referrals, but there's not a lot of ongoing demand, you know, with the same client. So it was more of a market problem than a um, a business, you know, it was no matter how well I did my job, it was always going to be that fact. Mm. So I, I wrote a book or two, technically, got, I guess, I guess, I guess I wrote three different books. A couple of them were eBooks and then, um, just got into the corporate, uh, I'd always been doing corporate copywriting back to 94, just as a side gig oh, okay. or for my own business or for right, my right. clients. So I've always been doing it, but I just started doing it full time about, uh, nine years ago. Nice. And you've been that's wild. where the money is, and that's where the challenges are. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's you know at, you can you know it's fun being your own boss. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I'm unemployable. I've been on my own since '98. Wow. Can't go back. Even if yeah. I'm, I've had job offers, but I just say no. No. Just no. Just can't. Don't even talk to me. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No paycheck is big enough. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about this. Uh, um, You've got on your one sheet what 300 dead Spartans can teach you about marketing. That just yes. sounds like fun. So, yeah, it's by coincidence. You know, I went to Michigan State, the Spartans. But if you've right. seen the movie 300, sure, sure. Uh, it's an actual event. Right. Yeah. yeah, 480 BC. So you're in the military, right? So you're going right. to get this. Of course. Force multiplier. What, what is a force? I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to interview you. What is a force multiplier, Jeff? Uh, well, that would be some, uh, some, something that's small and cheap that like works as a for, well, I can't say it like that because it's, <laughs> it's yeah. sort of like, uh, it's cheap and easy and it makes like, uh, um, the same amount of people seem like more people. There you go. Yeah. You're, you're there. <laughs> so that's what the Spartans used. They, right. they used a force multiplier. How did 300 Spartans hold off uh, an army of 150,000 Persians? They did that for two full days. Well, they used the land as a force multiplier. If you remember the movie, that this, the Persians had to uh, file into a narrow bottleneck at right. the, uh, a place called Thermopylae. It was a coastal pass. Uh, on the water there. So basically, the because the Spartans chose to defend a, a little bottleneck, the the whole numerical advantage of the Persians was negated because they were fighting pretty much one-on-one in mm. close quarters. Well, no one beats the Spartans one-on-one. So they just kicked ass for two days. They're like the Navy SEALs of the ancient world. They're or, yeah, seals. Like, well, they didn't swim so much. I, I'd maybe call them Delta Force. <laughs> but so they these were, guys, they were, they were like professional experts, soldiers, oh, yes, society. They were, yeah, exactly. Right. So that got me thinking. So this whole idea of force multiplier has been in my head for years. And then, uh, you know, I realized a force multiplier in the in the in the military world can be your training, could be your weapons, your morale. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the 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 land Napoleon used to choose uh, his battlefields very carefully because he could out he could use his artillery and so Napoleon was another good example of a guy who used land as a force multiplier so it's anything that makes your fighting force more effective that's kind of the broad definition right uh, added to the fighting force it makes it you know two times more effective five times whatever so I always thought well what if he could do this to marketing okay and so the idea of marketing multipliers. It's anything added to your marketing which makes it significantly more effective. And so I'm a simple guy, so I like to, to define marketing multipliers as you know simple actions or small actions. They're typically low cost or no cost. That's my favorite. And they're typically tangible, something that you can uh, taste, taste, touch, or feel. Mm. And so I developed this idea of marketing multipliers and it's just been a lot of fun. And so the 300 dead Spartans can teach you that, you know, you don't have to have a bigger business to beat your bigger competition. Mm. You don't have to have a bigger marketing budget to beat your competition. So you don't have to have a bigger funnel. I freaking hate funnels, by the way. You don't need to have a bigger <laughs> website, a bigger, you know, CRM system. Right. Um, you can do a lot. There's a place for complexity. Complexity can build, you know, a, a defense against competitors i get that but a lot of tools that you can use um i could talk about a couple in the time we have remaining but marketing multipliers are designed for busy entrepreneurs to you know get around the need to spend years learning skills like copywriting which i've done Mm -hmm. um i've got this tool 
if you don't mind me diving into one now, yeah, which go is for it. a lot of people like this. I call it the paper email. Okay. What's the paper email? The paper email <laughs> is kind of like the poor man's FedEx. FedEx is the only letter that has 100% open rate. If you send someone a FedEx, it gets open. You know, it never gets oh, thrown right. away. That's, that makes sense. Yeah. It seems so special, it's worth, right? It's special. It's delivered. It's urgent. You drop everything. You give it your full attention. It's a beautiful thing. It's the closest you can have to sending a sales rep into somebody's office. Right. And wow. I've got yeah. FedExes out all the time. And I had three just delivered an hour ago. And typically what I'll do is, uh, well, I'm getting off the tangent. So the paper email is designed to, uh, it's direct mail for busy people. I invented it by accident uh, in 2009. I was trying to, I wanted to send a, uh, an email to Seth Godin. He's one of my marketing heroes. Sure. And I had seen Seth speak in 2009, wanted to send him an email, but I thought, wait a minute, you know, everyone is going to send Seth an email. And this might get caught in a spam uh, filter, and so yeah, I want this to reach. Some will set. delete it, right? Yeah, precisely. Um, so I, I had this thing written. I go, well, how if I just print it and mail it to them? So I hit the print button, and uh, at the top I wrote, you know, paper email, and I changed some of the wording. I said, I sent you this paper email, and then I'm here. I'm borrowing from FedEx to me, absolutely positively sure I got through your spam filter. Um, I don't think emoticons had been invented then, so I didn't put a little smiley face after it, but I mean, I, was, I, I hope he got the joke. So I printed the thing, and I got his address off his website, signed it, put it in the mail, and sh- boom, you know, sent it out the door and forgot about it. And about a week later, uh, I got this phone call, and I don't answer my phone. There's some downsides to never answering your phone. One of them is that Seth Godin might call and you miss it. So I missed his call, but he left <laughs> this voicemail. Yeah. He said, Kevin, I just got your note, your super nice note. Just wanted to thank you and let you know that I got it. Thanks so much. Now, had I picked up the phone, I probably would have engaged him and had a nice chat. But he you know, thought enough of it to call me from his car. I could tell he was in his car. Mm. So I thought, well, that's interesting. I just got Seth Godin to call me, you know, for the price of a first-class stamp. I probably could have sent a FedEx, but I didn't. I could have sent a fax. That might have got his attention. But um, so I thought, well, what if I can do this again? So I started sending these paper emails to magazine editors, um, clients I wanted to reach, prospects, and they got them. And it, it, it works really well. If you can, the premise is if you can send an email that works halfway decently it's going to work a lot better if you print and mail the thing because it's again look an open rate you know people are ecstatic when they get like a 20 percent open rate on right as well right that means a you letter. got through the spam filter right yay and, and, and yeah. then they read it while they were sitting on the can and, and then, well it. and then and then it's and then it's over there by promos right and you're updates. i delete right. all of those <laughs> so and right. there are people who are my good friends they and i i can track some of my emails they're not open to my emails right these are people who know me and like me and they're ignoring my email so imagine your prospects who don't know you right and aren't convinced to write you a check yet so you can see that the odds are against you so the typical you know if, if you hand address the letter put it in a small square envelope that's an important one don't send it in your corporate envelope but two things come in small square envelopes party invitations and thank you notes mm. none neither of which is bad so mm. Put you know, a hand address a small square. Right. So the secretary is just going to think she's either going to put uh, I, uh, RSVP. Mm-hmm. So it's going to get right? to the decision maker. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And wow. so <laughs> nice. it's for the price of a first class stamp, you can get through to people. I had a blog, a, a podcaster last year who was ignoring my emails. So I don't like to be ignored. So I sent him a paper email, and he and he said, "Okay, yeah, you're in. Um, you know, let's talk." And it works all the time. It's um, it's got a so really that's one good of my open tools. rate ninety percent right pretty wow. much yeah wow. the only thing that you can beat it with would be a FedEx sure um, now you, your your open rate will crater of course if you you know laser print it on your corporate envelope if you use metered mail instead of a live stamp it should look personal mm. and if you do that like a thank you note essentially right if you do that you're looking at a ninety percent open rate nice nice hack. <laughs> it's uh, it's one of my first ones and one of my favorite ones. And yeah, right. see, I like it because how much does it cost? 50 cents. How much time does it take? A couple minutes. Just print right. the email. Make some formatting changes. I explain it in the book. Mm. But it's uh, low cost. Uh, look, you, your open rate goes from 20% to 90%. That's a that's a big, it's a big deal. Big improvement. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I'm looking for with marketing multipliers. And every month I um, 
either invent one or I, I'm always, you know, I experiment on myself before I ever share these ideas with clients. So I've got, I always got a few things in development. My, uh, I work in this kind of crazy scientist med, you know, scientist <laughs> laboratory, <laughs> which I love. And, uh, I love I've always got ideas in development and I share them with my members. That's cool. sounds like you're having fun too. It's a lot of fun. It's different every day. <laughs> forces you to grow. Nothing forces you to innovate like a monthly subscription service where the whole thing comes crashing down around your head if you take a month off. You know, can't do that. Yeah. And I don't no. want it. No, you don't want to do that. Wow. Very fun. Kevin, this has been a blast. Same here, Jeff. Really uh, enjoyed it. Yeah. And um, can I uh, give Please. a gift to your listeners? Sure. Of course. So you could go to marketingmultipliers.com. In fact, I encourage it. You'll like it. Um, and you can request your first uh, free box. There's just a dollar uh, shipping charge. But if you um, go there and request that free trial box and say that you heard me uh, on the Vroom Vroom Veer podcast with Jeff Smith, I'll also uh, mail you a hard copy of my new book, which is called Ooh, Marketing cool. Multipliers. You don't have to buy it on Amazon. I'll send it to you for free. This is unadvertised. Just reply to your email confirmation and said, I heard you on Vroom Vroom Veer. And um, I'll, you'll not only get your first welcome box for a buck, but you'll also get a, a copy of my book for free. Neato. Wow. That's awesome. Thanks, Thank man. you. It's, I'll just <laughs> repeat it. It's, in radio commercials, you're trained to say the phone number three times. Don't worry. I'm going to say the website just one more time, people. It's www.marketingmultipliers.com. That's perfect. Mul- marketingmultipliers.com. <laughs> How many times do you got say it? it? That's good. <laughs> Let's quit while we're at it. Roger that. All right. Thanks, Kevin. And My uh, pleasure, Jeff. You have fun being a troll in Minnesota? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> troll, means, troll means from living below the bridge. That's yes, the that means you mission. live under the bridge. The, under, the bridge being the Mackinac Bridge from um, the Lower Peninsula That's right. to... The up the UP as opposed to the UPers or UPers and that's UPers yeah I I live above the bridge correct nothing lives above the bridge (laughs) (laughs) but UPers (laughs) (laughs) well enjoy the view it's nice up there all right thanks have a good one thanks Jeff we'll talk to you soon bye thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer.